Want to improve your leadership skills, achieve your business goals, or grow your ministry? Marketplace Ministry Coaching can help. I have helped countless kingdom-minded entrepreneurs and ministry professionals to unlock their full potential and achieve their goals. Sign up for coaching now and take the first step towards success. Visit MarketplaceMinistryPodcast.com slash coaching to learn more. You're listening to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast for kingdom-minded entrepreneurs that examines business through a biblical lens. Your business is a calling, and when done well, brings glory and honor to God. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to Marketplace Ministry. My name is Jason Smith, and on today's show, we'll talk to you about what I learned about myself in this past quarter. But before we dive into that, I want to jump into the Word. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's very easy for us to go through life and not know who we are. But if we look to God's Word, we can see in the Word what God's Word has to say about us. And this scripture is really talking to who we are as believers. We are His masterpiece. And a masterpiece to me is like a book or a poem or a song or a work of art. Now, a work of art is something that we hang in a museum and it's hung there for everyone to see. But if you go into a library, you can pull up volumes of books and you could read books and the books will transport you to far off places. And this is your life. Your life is a living masterpiece. I heard one person say it's like a living poem. It is constantly being written and shaped and formed. And you know something, the, the word of God tells me that God doesn't make junk. He, he said in Psalms, he said that I will praise you, O Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That tells me that God doesn't make junk. Everything that he makes is made to be beautiful. It's made to glorify him. And so if you don't know that about you, if you don't know that to be true, I would invite you to get into God's word and begin to read this love letter that God wrote to you and discover who you are in God's eyes. That's the most important thing. And that brings me to why I decided to do this episode today. It's an unusual episode. I'm not the type of person that likes to talk about myself very often, but I had this deck of cards that I got from, uh, I can't even remember, it's called a pod deck. And the, inside the pod deck, there, was a very, there were various cards, and in each card had a different topic for a podcast. And this one just sounded interesting to me. I thought, why not? Let's share a little bit of backstory about Jason and what he's been experiencing in the last quarter or the last year. I've already shared a little bit about my journey since March of 2022. Uh, during that time, that's when I had gone through some coaching with Pastor Terry Linscott and Cliff Ravenscraft. And just from those two sessions, my life has been dramatically changed. They t- they showed me a path that I I didn't see that wasn't open to me. You know, we can only go where our eyes will show us where to go. If we're looking backwards, if we are looking at our problems, we're never going to go farther than our problems. We're never going to go farther than where our eyes are looking. But Pastor Terry and Cliff both 
opened my eyes to a world of possibilities that I didn't even know was a gift that I had inside of me. And so what was that journey like? And how did I get to where I am today? And where is this podcast going in the future? So what I learned about myself this past quarter, number one, I just recently finished reading the book Drive by Daniel Pink. Now, Daniel Pink has become one of my favorite authors. Uh, the first of his books that I read was called To Sell as Human, and I just loved that book. It, it really showed me the what it takes to sell. It's, it's not the this always be closing mantra that everybody always says in sales, but it's always about building relationships and and communicating with other people and and serving them. And that's really what sales is. I mean, if we have a solution that's going to benefit somebody else's life, then by all means, we have an obligation to share that with them. If we don't share it with them and we keep it to ourselves, are we really serving people? So in this book, Drive, there was a survey, and I took the survey, and I was thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to be this type I character that, that, that Pink is talking about. And it turns out I was not type I. I'm type X. And at first, it threw me because I thought, man, I'm really this type of person that I want to be intrinsically motivated. That's where the I and X comes from. The I is intrinsic motivation and the X is extrinsic motivation. And so what I learned is that I am a type X. And that means that you can pay me money and I will do things. Um, it's a carrot and stick relationship. But I guess that comes from the way I was raised and, and, and I learned that if I do a job, I'm going to get paid for it. But realistically, that's not who I want to be and it's not where I want to be going. In my life, what I want to be is this type of person who is type I. And I'm not driven by money. I'm not driven by a want for material things. I'm just trusting the Lord that as I serve other people, that God's going to provide for me. And that's really where my heart is. So that's where I want to go, because Zig Ziglar even said that money isn't everything, but it's relatively close to oxygen on the gotta-have-it scale. So I'm not saying that you can't live life and, and live it without money, because you absolutely need to have money, but money's not my God. You know, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, but you cannot serve them both. And he, he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Well, mammon is this God of money, this, this God that came out of Babylon, out of the world. And it's all about material wealth and possessions. And, and that's, not, that's not who I want to be. And that's not what I'm driving for. I'm driving to serve God to the utmost, uh, to the best of my ability. And I invite you, as you're listening to this podcast, if you, ever, if you ever hear me say something that sounds a little off, I invite you to correct me because I don't want to mislead anyone when it comes to the Word of God. I want to be a vessel of honor for Him. I want to be His mouthpiece, an oracle of God, someone who rightly divides the Word of truth. That is my heart. And if it can impart grace to those who hear me, and it can cause you to be inspired and to grow in your spiritual walk, that's what I want more than anything. That's what motivates me to do marketplace ministry. The second thing that I learned about myself 
in the last quarter. I also read another book called The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, and I took her assessment. And in this, this book, I learned that my tendency is to be an upholder. And that makes sense. I'm an, extrinsic, <laughs> I'm an extrinsically motivated upholder. Okay, so what does that mean? An upholder is somebody who meets external obligations and internal obligations. And maybe I'm not using the right word. It's not obligations. As, as Rubin wrote, she said, expectations. So when there are people who place expectations on me, if you ask me to do a job, I'm going to fulfill my obligations to do that job. I don't have to ask questions. I just, okay, you want me to do that? Got it. Let's go. I live up to my internal expectations. So if there's something that I purpose in my heart that I want to do, by all means, I'm going to do it. I mean, just look back and, and you'll see that I wanted to be a, a business owner. And so I started a pooper scooper business. I wanted to do that. I made it happen. And it was a success for me in my life at that stage of my life. But now we're transitioning and we're going into this new phase of life where I want to help people. I want to inspire people. I want to help them to bring out the best in themselves. And I don't have to know everything in the world to do that. I don't even have to know what your job is or anything about your industry. Because how many of you know that when you have somebody who is an outsider, they often have an outside perspective and they can bring insight to you that you wouldn't see because you're so in it every day. And so that's my hope is that I'll, t- I'll have conversations with people that will inspire and encourage them and motivate them, that will shift their perspective and provide them the insight they need to totally change their world. The third thing that I learned in the last quarter, and this really came about most recently, is I was reading in the book of Genesis, and I started reading about the story of Esau and Jacob. And when I was reading the story of Esau and Jacob, it struck me how the Bible described Esau as a hairy man. Now, most of the time when you read that passage, you just think, okay, he was a hairy man, and you, you just read right through it. But what I realized in that moment, the Spirit was talking to me. You know, God wouldn't put it in the Word if it wasn't significant. He wouldn't bring attention to it if it didn't mean something. So I asked, I said, why do you describe Esau as a hairy man? And it goes on to say that he was a man of the field. He was a skilled hunter. But his brother, Jacob, was a mild man. And I thought, that's interesting. So Esau is hairy and Jacob is mild. So what does that mean? That Jacob is some sissy boy who, li- who lives in tents? Is that, is that what we're dealing with? Um, and surely I didn't think that was the case. But this is, this is the thought process that, that I underwent when I was thinking about it. And so I started to look into the scripture a little bit more. And I, I looked up the word mild in the Hebrew. And I discovered that it meant that he was a handsome, physically fit man. So this, this, Jacob was, he was a looker, you know, and he was, he was muscular and man, he was not a sissy boy, but he lived in tents. And I was curious about that. Why would he say intense? Well, intense, 
that word, the Hebrew word literally means intense, but figuratively it means in the presence of God. And when I saw that, it clicked for me. I understood immediately why Esau was described as a hairy man. Esau was described as a hairy man, just like animals are hairy. Esau in this story represents the natural man, the animal nature. He was a skilled hunter like many of the hunting animals, the prey animals, right? They're skilled hunters. And he was a skilled hunter. He knew how to go out and kill game so that he could survive. He had survival skills. He had an instinct about him that most people don't have. And he lived to satisfy his animal nature. You know how I know this? Because one day he went out hunting and he came back in and he asked his brother to give him a bowl of his his best stew that he that he was famously known for. And Jacob said, I'll give you this only if you sell me your birthright. And the hungry Esau quickly said, what, what good is a birthright to me? I'm hungry. Give me my food. And so he did. He sold his birthright. He didn't care about his birthright. And, and why should he have cared? Because in the Hebrew, in the Jewish faith, the, the right of the firstborn, the firstborn inherits everything from the father. Esau didn't care about his birthright. Esau didn't care about spiritual things. Esau only cared about satisfying his animal nature. And Jacob was all about being in relationship with God, dwelling in his presence. And the thing I learned, it was just around Thanksgiving. I'm going to be as transparent as possible. You know, I was a manager at a restaurant chain until the pandemic. And when the pandemic happened, I left that job. And when I left that job, I had nothing to go to. So I was on unemployment for a good long time. And when you're on unemployment, you begin to adopt this mindset of being unemployed. And so I was unemployed. I was poor. I was impoverished. I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like the feeling of I only made a couple hundred bucks a week or every two weeks on unemployment. And there wasn't much I could do. So I was, I was doing all these other side projects to bring in extra income, but I wasn't satisfied living in that state. However, during that entire time, God took care of me. In, in one year, we had given over $5,000 in tithes and offerings. And I don't say that to boast on me. I say, to, I say this to boast on God. And the reason for that is if I was to give a tithe of $5,000, that would mean I would have had to make $50,000 that year, at least $50,000. But that year, because I was on unemployment, I didn't make that much money. But God enabled me to give to his kingdom, to honor him with $5,000. Like, how in the world is that even possible? It's possible because God supplied for all of our needs during that time. And then in the next year where the unemployment benefits ran out and it was just like, somebody turned off the water faucet and we didn't have anything. It, it got to a point where I was living my life in survival mode. 
I would go out and do Instacart. Now, I know there are some markets out there where Instacart and DoorDash are are cash cows. But where I live out in in a rural county in Kentucky, central Kentucky, we don't have a lot of demand for Instacart and DoorDash in my area. You'd have to go to a bigger city to really make a lot of money. But where I'm at, I would go in Instacart every day just so I could make enough money to buy groceries for that day. That's how much we were hurting. We were hurting to the point that we only had enough to eat. We only had enough to eat. And so I'm, I'm like, what am I doing? I, I can't keep doing this. And I got a job and that job was, was helping, but it wasn't enough and it wasn't tenable. It was, it was helping to make it easier, but it wasn't easy enough. Not that I want to do things that are easy. I want to, I want to work. Yes. But I don't want to just stroll through life, right? I want, I want to do something that matters, that makes us, that makes a difference in someone else's life. And so I tell you this because I want you to understand that I was living my life in survival mode. We were not made to live in survival mode. God made us to thrive. There's numerous scriptures in his word that talk about the blessing of God coming and overtaking you, that you're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the field. You're blessed when you come and when you go. And your herds are blessed. And your offspring are, are blessed. We did an episode on this back in October of last year, all about the blessing of God. And it will chase you down. So why wasn't it chasing us? What was wrong in our lives? Was there something spiritually wrong? I mean, I was reading the word. I was praying. I was in fellowship with God. God was taking care of us. But what was, what was missing? What was missing? That's the big question. And when I get an answer to that, I will come back and tell you what it was. But I felt like we were under a spiritual attack from the enemy. And I, I'm not one to want to blame the devil for a lot of our troubles. I mean, ultimately, the reason why I was in the situation I was in was because I made a decision that I wasn't wearing a mask in my position. I was a leader, and I wasn't going to wear a mask, and I wasn't going to uh, cause my employees to wear masks if they didn't want to. I wasn't going to play babysitter for adults and take their temperature every day they came into work. Hello. We're adults. We shouldn't have to act like children or be treated like children. If you're sick, stay home for crying out loud. It's common sense. But for some reason, we had to have it beaten into our heads during COVID that if you're sick, stay home. There's still places today that now that we're through COVID and and there's still cases of COVID coming around, but now that we're through it, there's still people that go to work sick. Stay home. It doesn't make any sense. And and for businesses, if you run a business and you're calling on your employees to come into work when they're sick and you're giving them a guilt trip for staying home because they had a fever or they had uh, diarrhea for God's sakes or they, they were vomiting or something was going on where they physically 
weren't at 100% and they knew that they couldn't come into work and you're giving them a guilt trip, you're completely wrong, leader. That is not what you should be doing. If people are sick, let them stay home. <laughs> I'm reminded of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I've got young children and on Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, there is a song that his parents sang to him and it says like this, when you're sick, rest is best, rest is best. It's simple, but it's true. If you're sick, stay home, take care of yourself. If you, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not, going to be take, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone else. I have to tell my wife this all the time because she's always trying to be the unsung hero of our household. She's the manager of the household. She takes care of the kids. She does the homeschooling. She does all of that. But if you're not feeling good, you need to take a time out. You need to rest because you cannot do it all and you can't do it all on your own. I digress. I'm telling you about Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, what I, I discovered is that during this time before Thanksgiving, we had no money. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know where the next dollars were going to come from. But I said, I guess I'm going to have to go Instacart on Thanksgiving Day. And my wife said, you can't go on Thanksgiving Day. The stores are closed. I said, no, I think some of the stores are going to be open. And if, if they're open, then I can go. Um, but I need to go so that we can eat. And then that night, that Wednesday night at service, Pastor was teaching. And it wasn't anything he said. It's what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. It was like, you're being like Esau. And I said, what? He said, you're being like Esau. You're concerned about your physical needs. And you're trying to do everything in your own power. And I said, okay, I repent, Lord. I'm not going to go to work tomorrow. And Thursday morning is a non-banking holiday, by the way. Thursday morning, I woke up that morning and there was money in our account. I was like, praise the Lord. And it was there unexpectedly. After I had anticipated it coming on a Wednesday and it didn't come that day, I was like, great, we're not going to get paid until probably Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving morning, my check from my work was in my account. And my wife's check from the work she does was in our account. I was like, praise God. So I learned, and, and I know I try to be spiritual, and I'm sure some of you do as well. But this was an eye-opener for me. It was an eye-opener because I'm going down this path of spending time with the Lord and praying and communing with Him in the morning. And all of a sudden, without even realizing it, I snapped into this survival mode of, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work so I can eat, I got to work so I can take care of the family, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work. You know, the Bible says, don't overwork to be rich because money just goes away. And so what I was doing, even though part of that is right, that, that you should take care of your family, but I was doing it with the wrong heart. I was doing it with the wrong attitude. 
And so that's what he showed me. And I had to repent instantly. And when I did, it just released this burden off my chest. I was like, all right, I'm not going to go to work, Lord. I surrender to you. I'm going to let it all go. And the next morning, provision. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the God who sees me, the God who provides for me and takes care for me. He saw my need. He saw me right where I was at. And he took care of what we needed to take care of. We're still working through that process. We're getting ourselves back on track. After all of this time of not having a job, things have fallen behind. And I don't tell you this because I'm looking for your sympathy. I'm telling you this because I'm sure you've been there too at some point in your life. And if you haven't, I'm sure you've known somebody who's been there in your life and, and the struggles that they make just to try to make ends meet. It's not easy, especially when you're 40. Try being 40, being unemployed, and then trying to get a job. That in itself was a hard trial, but God provided. And it took a shift in my mindset because I was of the mindset that I wasn't getting hired because of ageism. People didn't want to hire me because I was 40 and they're like, eh, no. That was the wrong mindset. But as soon as I started to see the possibilities and what I could contribute to these different employer, employers, that's when the doors opened. And it wasn't just because my mindset changed, it's because the way I went about it changed as well. Instead of applying online to these places, I actually had connections with people that worked at the places I wanted to work. And when I reached out to them, that was what opened the door. You know, it was an when I grew up, it was the saying was, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that's so true today. You know, Ken Coleman writes about it in his book, The Proximity Principle. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can go pick that up. And I'll also link to uh, Drive by Daniel Pink and The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin in case you want to go read those books. If you haven't read them already, I'll make sure there's links in the show notes for those books today. But The Proximity Principle talks about being with the right people at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And when you do that enough, then the right time is going to happen for you. And so I exercised the proximity principle, and that's where I am today. And I have this job that I, I just love it. It's great. It's fantastic. It doesn't require a whole lot of my time, but I get to use my mind when I'm at work. And I love that. It's fantastic. I've always wanted to do intellectual work. I wanted to do work with my mind instead of work with my body. And so I love the fact that I get to do that in this role. And I hope that you are getting to do the work that you want to do. So now I want to move on to the next lesson that I learned in the last quarter. And this one is a little bit more personal because I had just driven to work one morning. And when I got there, I was sitting in my car. I was praying. I was meditating. I was thinking about the word I had just read, and as I breathed in, I could feel a little bit of pressure, a little pain in my upper left chest. It almost felt like as I was breathing in, like maybe a fluid or something was there in, in my lungs, and it was just like painful. And I'm in this state of meditation to where I recognized that that sensation I was feeling didn't belong in my body. And so 
it's interesting. I did not even anticipate this happening, but I'm sitting there and I'm recognizing this. I'm acknowledging it. And I said, you don't belong there. Go. And I got out of the car and I went to work and the pain was gone. It wasn't there the whole rest of the day. And in that moment, I learned something about the authority that I have in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus, when he calmed the storm and when his disciples woke him up, he didn't get up and he wasn't angry and he didn't shake his fist and yell at the storm and say, what do you think you're doing? No, he didn't do that. He just stood up and he looked at the storm and he said, peace, be still. And what I learned about authority is you don't have to shout at the top of your lungs to exercise your authority. When you have authority, when you know who you are and the authority that you carry, your words, even if they're whispered, carry your authority. Proverbs says that life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And what that tells me is that what I speak out of my mouth, if I believe it, it's going to happen. We are constantly creating our worlds every single day with the words that we speak. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Listen to yourself sometimes. No, I mean it. Really listen to what's coming out of your mouth because you'll be surprised. The people I talk to in coaching, they'll tell me things and then I will repeat it back to them and they will begin to cry because they are hearing their words for the first time. We don't pay attention to what we're saying and we're saying these things without thinking, yet because God created us in his image, that means every time we speak something, we create something in the world. Just like God said, let there be light and there was light. Every time we speak, if we are complaining we're creating a world centered around complaining. If we're speaking positive affirmations, if we're speaking the word of God, we're creating life. And so that's the authority that we have in God. It's, it's powerful. And these, I didn't even realize that I had that kind of authority. One more thing that I want to talk about that I've learned and this applies to me because I can look back over my life and I can see many times when looking back, I stayed stuck in the past. I don't know about you. Maybe you, maybe you don't experience this. But what I found is that wherever your eyes go, that's where you tend to go. So if you are wanting to move forward in your life, you need to be looking out through the windshield, looking forward and seeing what's coming on the horizon. But most of the time, we spend all of our time looking in the rearview mirror. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to glance in the rearview mirror from time to time to remember where you came from. But if you're looking in the rearview mirror as you're driving your car and your, your gaze is fixed on what's behind you rather than what's in front of you, you're going to crash. You're going to get in an accident. Something is going to happen that's going to startle you and wake you up from, from this state, this trance that you're in because you are stuck in your past. If you want to move forward, then you need to be looking forward. Stop getting hung up on your past regrets, your past failures, your past mistakes, your past hurts. Stop it. Stop thinking about what people said about you back then. You're not the same person. 
I'm not the same person. It's time to move forward. And the only way to do that is by looking forward. And so I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your business. I really feel in my spirit that God is moving in 2023, that he's going to do some magnificent things. He's going to perform miracles in your life. And if you haven't grabbed hold of it yet, he is going to accelerate your business. He is going to push you further than you ever thought you could go. What usually takes 10 years is only going to take you 10 days. That's what it's going to feel like. It's going to be an acceleration. It's going to be so fast. You're not going to be able to withstand it. It's going to be so fast. It will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. So I want to encourage you to spend more time in the Word of God. Pray, read, get to church, tithe, meditate, spend time in His presence. Listen to Him. You have the presence of Jesus living inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So wherever you go, wherever you set your foot, it's going to prosper. When you walk into a room, you are going to change the atmosphere because you have the presence of God Almighty living inside of you. So that's my encouragement for you today. Go out and impact your world for Jesus. Father, I thank you for those listening today. I thank you that this word that I shared with them today, this story of the things I've learned about myself, God, that'll, that'll encourage them to take, a, take an account of their life and the things that they've learned and what you're teaching them and where you're taking them, Father. And so, Father, I just thank you, God, that it's your will to prosper them in everything that they do. You did not design people to fail. You designed us to prosper and to grow. And so I just speak growth, spiritual healing, and wellness over each and every one who is listening to my voice right now. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives. And I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Until next time, I call you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Thanks for listening to Marketplace Ministry. What did God speak to you about during today's show? Join the conversation using hashtag Marketplace Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Got a question for the show? Email us at info at marketplaceministrypodcast.com or text us at 502-833-6136. Keep seeking God first and serving His people well and your business will prosper in Jesus' name. Attention all kingdom-minded entrepreneurs and ministry leaders. Are you looking to connect with like-minded believers and grow in your walk with Christ? Look no further. The Kingdom-Minded Entrepreneurs Mastermind is here to help you discover your purpose, build your faith, and impact your world for Jesus. With only 10 seats available, this exclusive group meets once a week for 90 minutes to offer hot seats and encourage one another in their journeys. Don't miss out on this opportunity to be part of a community that will support and edify you for an entire year. Sign up now for the Kingdom-Minded Entrepreneurs Mastermind and let's make a difference together. Visit marketplaceministrypodcast.com mastermind to learn more.